welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, welcome everyone. It's Deb Crow. I'm your host for the next hour on the Change Book Radio Show, and we are back. We had a couple of weeks off, some summer vacation, a little work-life balance, and I'm excited for our guest tonight. I have a fellow Book 5 buddy all the way from Brisbane, Australia. So again, just a pleasure to be talking to someone, and it's Thursday for her, September 7th. I think it's 9 a.m. in the morning, and she's in Brisbane. And let me tell you a little bit about Leonie Newton. She is the founder of Opportune Moments Success Coaching and Conversations with a Life Coach. Leonie retired from teaching to pursue her coaching career full-time in 2013. Since then, Leone has been invited to co-author a book with leaders in the industry, including Jim Britt and Jim Luce. And like I said, she joined me in Chapter 5 with her chapter titled Self-Loathing to Self-Loving. Leone is world-renowned as an elite coach consultant. She mentors new coaches to success through her Opportune Moment Success Coaching Program and she's also been a key speaker for SANE Australia's Mindful Employer Program. So please help me welcome Leonie Newton to the show. Welcome, my friend. Hi, Deb. Thank you so much. Great to be here. I love technology. I love that I'm here I am in Canada, and you're 10,000 miles away in Brisbane, and, and you're on the next day. How's it looking? Fantastic, actually. Quite sunny and a lot cooler than it was yesterday. Uh, so it's shaping up to be a, an absolutely brilliant day all round. Well, we are just finishing up summer here, and I'm, I'm going to hold on to it for two more weeks because we officially don't launch into the fall till the 21st, and I know that you're having a shift in weather. But thank you so much for joining us, and I just think it's so unique that you're a day ahead and it's just another reason that I just embrace and love this community. So my first question is, how did you connect with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz? And what was your main decision or what was your final decision to join this amazing community? So uh, as with most things that have happened in my business and, um, and personal life, I guess, uh, synchronicity is what joined Jim and Jim and I. Uh, I was in the process of finalising my first book, which um, I didn't have a title for at that stage. And Jim uh, Britt actually approached me and, um, you know, said, hey, pretty much, you know, see what you're doing there. I really like what you're doing. Um, how would you feel about co-authoring with us? And at the time, I got a little flustered because I was supposed to be finishing my other book and there was only actually a couple of weeks to contribute my chapter. And um, 
so in the end, I, I kind of just pulled a little bit of an excerpt out of what it was that I was already doing and forwarded that on. But the reason I chose to onboard with those guys was just the, the sheer power of the collective wisdom and consciousness around self-empowerment. There, there's just nothing like it. Um, I really believe that, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, and when we pull our resources, if, if, you're, if you're a person who is wanting to make a difference and make a ripple, uh, the more people you jump in the water with at once, the bigger the ripple is going to be. So it, it was really a no-brainer for me. Um, and not, not to mention, I was absolutely flawed. I'm, I actually screenshot, <laughs> took a screenshot of my, um, my Skype call with Jim Britz and Jim Lute's faces on there. And I actually showed my husband and, you know, said, this has just happened. <laughs> I, please pinch me. Is this real? So, yeah, it was a real no-brainer for me. Well, and I think as I interview more and more co-authors, including myself, I think we all feel that way. And I, I agree with you. I think a little bit of synchronicity, a little dash of serendipity, and I just think that sometimes the right people land in your life. And I want to talk to you about that because I know you do a lot of elite coaching, and I'm a proponent and a coach like you. I'm a lifestyle coach, so I strictly focus on work-life balance. But I, I, I feel in my own life, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, when I remain positive and optimistic and think about what I want and where I'm going, I draw that into my life. So maybe talk to us a little bit about your journey since you came into the book and kind of what has transpired for you since 2015 to now with that mindset. Sure. So, so Deb, when, um, when I got into the book, um, I had only just recently relocated to Brisbane. Um, I had been in Melbourne prior to that, and, um, and prior to that up in our little tiny sleepy seaside town of Yapoon in central Queensland, um, which is just the most amazing divine place on, on earth. And... Um, it was a very um, whirlwind kind of adventure from 2015 on. Um, I think the main thing that really um, struck me in terms of mindset and alignment and, and manifestation, if we call it that, um, is just the number of other people who just started falling into my, um, shall we call it my tribe, um, who were just so like-minded and, and really real go-getters and people who are actually making a difference. And there's a lot of people in the world, Deb, who um, I'm sure you come across as well and that really want to make a difference, but they, they just have so much doubt and self-lacking um, in their self-belief system, things like that, that they just don't seem to get any traction. And um, one of the things I really loved about uh, getting involved with the change was just how many people were already uh, doing the do, as we say, and, uh, you know, walking the talk and, and really making those ripples I was talking about before. And uh, things certainly did ramp up for me there. And in all honesty, I think that's really the point when I kind of went from just coaching the individual person to becoming a coach mentor. So people started going, wow, how did you do that? How do you, how do, you do what you do? Um, you know, I've, I've done the training that you've done. Why are you ahead of me? 
Um, and it's not really about being ahead. It's just kind of matching up to where we where we are in our mindset. And like you say, you know, you keep a certain mind mindset and and you do you resonate at that level and um more of the same comes to you which um like in in my chapter um i kind of allude to the to the negative vibrations that i was emitting and continuously drawing in and um you know flip it around from all that time to 2015 and and you know, things just just kept falling into place including the kind of people who i wanted to be surrounded by I I am resonating with everything that you're saying. And, you know, we are now on book 15. So to think that you and I were in the first, you know, kind of the first third of, of the book series. So surrounding ourselves with our tribe, I love that. 280 people in 14 books, 26 countries. And I'm mesmerized every week with the talent of Jim Britt and Jim Lutz and how they just know who to choose and who's going to align. And it's almost like they've created this equation or recipe of success among 280 people Mm -hmm. in 26 countries. And I, I find it fascinating and I find it so enjoyable to interview the authors out of our book series because I think that we are slowly shifting a paradigm in the world with the work that we're doing. And I want to just comment on what you just said about anybody can have their certification, but why do some do better than others? And where I want to go with this is just looking at the title of your chapter, and I reread your chapter today, And to me, that was self-indicative, and correct me if I'm wrong, of where you were in that place when you were writing this chapter. So how did you get yourself to become self-loving and leave the land of self-loathing? Fantastic question, Deb. Um, And and just quietly, probably one that a lot of people are, are asking the same thing right now. Um, when I actually wrote uh, that book, it was um, at the point where I had already shifted through. I'd utilised all the all the tools that I have of um, NLP, my hypnosis, um, emotional freedom technique, tapping that people call, um, a lot of energy work, Reiki, mindfulness, all of those things that I'd gone and um, been trained in, and. Uh, it, it was really a matter of when when I hit rock bottom, uh, and um, there was there was only one of two options left, and um, staying on or, or not, pretty much. Uh, that was the point where I had to really stop and go, okay, well, what's it going to be, the the in or the outdoor? And uh, I think everybody has to hit that point where they get to that option before anything can really change. And that that option comes at a very different level for everybody. Uh, for some people, it might be that, you know, you're just not getting to where you want to be and you've had enough of that, and that might be rock bottom for someone. Somebody else, it could, you know, go as deep as it did for me, where it's a matter of life or death. Um, but no matter where it is or where you come from, it's always that element of um, being consistent and really 
making a choice and figuring out your why. Well, why? Why does it matter? Why does it matter if I stay? Um, why would I go? And at, at that time when I had to make that, that choice, it was very much about my children. I and mean, I had two um, gorgeous biological children and a, and a gorgeous stepson and uh, still, still do have all of them. And they've all gone on and made children now, which is amazing. Um, but it, it really comes down to utilising the tools that you have. We all have tools. We all have skills. We don't have to be trained in anything. There's always information around us that we can access and utilise. We don't have to go and do a diploma in life coaching, but we can access the information and the learnings of other people, which is what I love about the change. It does that. It provides that kind of tool. And um, I think it, it's most important that we just have to have that conviction that we will never go back down to where we were again. We, we've had enough. And, and for me, that's exactly how it was. I'd had enough. I had had a lifetime of um, anxiety, depression, suicidal, you know, tendencies and, and, and I'd had enough. So once I started to really focus on, um, you know, going in the indoor, not the outdoor, uh, it was it was kind of a, a flow, and again that mindset, whatever it was that I focused on, and I was determined to to succeed in or gain or stop, I I did it, and um, the tools kind of showed up for me. Um, and I think at the time when Jim and Jim approached me, that was just again so synchronistic because I was ready to share my story with the world, and it it's it's not um, it's a very personal story. Uh, there's a lot of um, personal content in there that, you know, may be quite shocking for some people and um, and that leaves you in a very vulnerable state. But is it worth it? Absolutely. If it can help save one other person's life, then so be it. And ultimately, that was my goal. When I really started focusing on getting myself out, it was to make sure that I made a difference in the lives that I was focused on making a difference in with my children. Well, and I want to commend you for being so authentic and, and open and that you had kind of reached your pinnacle, your your breaking point, and you embraced your mental health and got the appropriate help and treatment modalities that you needed, and then you decided, you decided that you were going to use all those complementary techniques that you talked about, NLP, hypnosis, the tapping, the mindfulness, you decided to have that list, if you will, or menu of, I like to call them complementary, not alternative, because I think it's a choice for what we do. And there's, there's a powerful uh, section in your chapter that I would just like to take a moment and read for, uh, for our listeners, if you'd allow me to do that, because it really resonated with me. And now that I hear, heard you speak those words of, you know, kind of you hit rock bottom and you rose above, um, this paragraph just comes to a complete realization for me now. So I'd like to read this if I can. So this is from uh, book oh. number five. And Leonie's chapter is called From Self-Loathing to Self-Loving. And this is the, the uh, couple of paragraphs that really resonated with me. And this is on page 138. I know now that people and situations have no power over my emotions. Only I do. 
If you want to take on sadness, fear, or anger when a person speaks or acts, that is my choice. Just as I could choose happiness, laughter, and other meanings. Other people are not responsible for reactions within me. I am 100% responsible for choosing how or even if I respond. This is such a powerful realization because it made me aware of my repeated patterns. I rely so heavily on others to make me feel good or happy that I never bothered to do it for myself. The day I had this, quote, aha, unquote moment, my husband was released from the impossible, endless task of being my source amusement, and now he can just relax and be my friend who I share laughs and quality time with when it suits us both. These two understandings changed my life because I allowed them to. No one and nothing will ever get to choose self-loathing over self-loving again. When you reach your point where change is the only option, connect with me and let's see just how high you can climb out of the self-loathing pit you've been living in. How does it hear to how does it how does it feel for me to resonate those powerful words that you wrote two years ago? Um, I've never actually heard anyone read it back to me, Deb. You kind of got me a bit teary. <laughs> um, I guess it's it's really validating um, to hear it from somebody else. It it, it really helps hammer home. Um, I guess, how far I've come and with a lot of my clients and that's kind of what happens when you're reading that. I'm, I'm kind of thinking and all these client faces are popping up into my into my mind and uh, and just the acknowledgement of how far they've come and some of them have had to come a hell of a lot further than I have. Um, and it is, it is very much about just 100% taking ownership around your life and around every action, every thought that you have, everything that comes in and out of your life is your doing. And I do say that earlier on in the chapter, it is a hard, it's a challenging and really confronting concept to come to terms with when you go, you know what, this person has done that or said this or they've created this absolute tragedy in my world. How on earth could I have had any input whatsoever into that but it's not so much about that specific moment in time it's all the moments in time it's all the choices you made leading up to that point you have to start taking on board everything you've ever done that has brought you to that particular point in time and that's where uh, the power comes from because you can just go well I don't like this I have the power to change it and you are never a victim again, never. And victim, victim mentality is where the self-loathing comes from. It's where um, you do whatever you can to make yourself feel as though you are powerless and it's just so unnecessary and it's, it's soul-destroying. So to hear those words, it, 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 I'm, I'm glad I wrote them <laughs> uh, um, because it is, exactly what people need to hear I think whether they're ready or not that's a whole nother story but taking on board that ownership of of everything in your life including your responses to situations that is the key to happiness that is the key to living in flow the key to having bliss and no matter what anyone else around you is doing 
you can choose to engage with that drama or that anger or that um, you know manipulation, whatever it is they're trying to engage in, and you can set it aside and go, you know what, this is this has nothing to do with me. And uh, and the reality of it is is that no one ever does anything with anyone but themselves in mind. Even the most giving, nurturing people on the face of the earth, they're still fulfilling their own need of either contribution or growth or something else or connection. It's still 100% selfish. So that kind of allows us to step aside and go, okay, well, they're, they're trying to fulfill one of their, their core needs there and uh, this really has nothing to do with me. I just happen to be the vehicle for them if I choose to engage. So actually not engaging and not buying in on people's story and um, and actions and choices and choosing to not respond in any toxic or negative ways, it actually helps them as well because you're you're ending the drama cycle and you're ending their story as well. So they lose all of all of their momentum in creating a really um, unpleasant situation for themselves as well. Oh, absolutely, and I I truly believe as coaches and speakers and authors. I'm finding that the word authentic is, is really being overused and almost choked, if you will. And I think that you value add to your coaching business just with the relatability, you know, I don't want to sound cliche, but you've been there, you've done that, and you found that inner grit emotionally, cognitively, physically to say, okay, I hit bottom, I'm done. I need to dig myself out of this. What am I going to do? And you've done it. So I think it's such a value add to any coach if they can share and and add in that dose of relatability so that that gives your client the realness to say, she really gets me and not just from her academic achievements of becoming a coach. And I, I think that's lacking in some of the coaches today. And I hear this quite repetitively and, with you being in Australia, I would love to know your thoughts on that and, and do you feel that you are more relatable because you're bringing your real-life experience and your heart to your coaching business? Absolutely, Deb. Um, 100% agree with you with in terms of the authenticity being, you know, choked to death, as you say. Um, but it is something that we need to to look at and and why again it comes back to that why why does anyone do anything why would you be a coach and unfortunately there is a uh, a bit of a mixed bag out there of coaches who have um you know gone and done a weekend retreat and really that's about it um and they've heard about how <clears throat> excuse me how, uh, how much money you can make in the industry, which, of course, when you really look into it, is only about 3% of anyone who ever starts coaching. So you've really got to have a, a strong why that is, is powerful and, and in alignment with your core values. Um, for me, coaching was not a choice of career. For me, coaching was my matter of life or death. It was, it was the difference between me being alive or me taking my life. And... And so with that, I do think that that adds a certain um, level of uniqueness to what I do. And ultimately, it has attracted a lot of clients in a similar sort of situation and they just don't know how to climb out of that self-loathing pit. And um, and they, you know, have considered or have have tried several times um, to to find some peace in other ways. But there are coaches out there 
who have the best of intentions, but they they choose an, a niche. <laughs> One of the things that happens a lot in, in coaching institutions, and I've, I've been through quite a few now for various reasons um, with uh, my program and my following, they do tend to reach out and want to get a little bit of um, access to my database and I say well you give me the free training and uh, I'll let my clients know whether or not uh, you're, you're worth going with. So I, I have had the opportunity to be retrained in, in NLP and life coaching uh, around about nine times now. So uh, the coaching that comes through is very much about just get out there and you know say yes and figure out how later and, and that's kind of okay if, you, if you're working in a business or something like that um, or working on you know, uh, not to dis diminish the power of it, these things like business or sports or anything like that. But when you're coming to working with people who are, they're seeking, they're seeking a reason. That's something that you can't just wing. You can't just fake that till you make it. You have to have a deep empathy for that person. You have to have a very clear insight into the dangers of that. You have to be prepared to say, listen, I'm not enough for you. You need more people in your team. Go seek psychological help go seek medical help um, and you have to be prepared to do that and and that's what comes from that experience that you just can't get from a training and um, and it is unfortunate that um, sometimes the coaching industry does get a bit of a backlash because of people who have the best intentions they want to help but they just don't quite have the right insight even though they may have the best of the training so yeah totally agree with you there Deb that that is something that gets flagged. Well, and I think something that I want to mention that you just said, I think people get their wires crossed whether to be sympathetic or empathetic. And the reason I bring this up is because you've been so gracious in sharing your story, not only in, in book five, but during the interview. And I, I volunteer at hospice, and I, I often see this, and I think people are just genuinely confused, but I feel it's because they don't know which way to go with their emotion because they're so laden with grief and sadness. So, again, sympathy, feeling compassion, sorrow, pity, you know, hardship for that other person, where I like to pride myself on being... I've been described as, from hospice, um, from my coordinator at hospice, as innately empathetic. And I think that is the nicest compliment someone can give to me. And where I'm going with this is it allows me to be relatable just like you are with your coaching business. When you're empathetic and you're putting yourself in the shoes of that other person, whether it's a friend, a family member, a coworker, a coaching client, you don't have to work at being authentic and real when you can just genuinely have a conversation or sometimes not have a conversation and just really sit back and listen. And that empathy can show without any any verbal communication. And I'm just wondering if that's a modality with all that you've been through that you've kind of intertwined into your coaching business and what your thoughts are on empathy versus sympathy. It's a fantastic conversation, Deb. I've had several times where people say, oh, I feel so sad for you or I feel so sorry for you. And... Uh, <coughs> 
pardon me. And uh, the the thing that I say to people who say that is all, and and this may come across as quite harsh, but this is the coach in me now. Once upon a time, I would have I would have reveled in that, and it would have fed my story, and it would have fed my ego, and it would have filled filled my unresourcefully, it would have filled my significance cup. You know, it's like, oh, this person cares about me. This person, I matter to this person. Ultimately, I don't matter at all to that person. They get to say how sad they feel. They're talking about themselves. And it's all about them and what it's doing to them. And again, it comes back to how people only ever do anything with themselves in mind. And, uh, and without even knowing it, they're actually detracting from really engaging for you and they're engaging in their own self needs and it is important I mean yes you can feel sad about a situation but when people are really um, sympathetic towards somebody else they really are kind of trying to say they're there Um, if you feel better I'll feel better whereas with the empathy it's like ah okay I get you yeah yeah I understand Um, I've been in a situation that has had similar experiences so I may be able to help you through that. It's not about um, feeling sad or sorry for someone because there's no action attached to that. When you have an empathy for someone, if there's action attached, that isn't for your personal gain. Um, um, obviously, in coaching, you know, there's gain there because we, we get to fulfill our needs as well. But it's predominantly the gain you are trying to help someone else achieve their gain. Whereas on the flip side of that, sympathy tends to be about trying to fill your own gain um, and again the, the whole empathy um, concept is, is and sympathy uh, you know what's the word dichotomy I guess um, it, it is a challenging thing for people to get around and and some people have been quite offended um, when I say you know um, don't feel sorry for anyone and certainly don't feel sorry for me I don't need your your pity because that's what it is what does pity do for you what does pity do for anyone it helps you wallow more so if anyone's kind of going you know I'm not really sure um, about this thing we'll just go okay do you want to actually help someone or do you want to um, be an enabler and continue their grief and uh, so if you want to be an enabler and continue someone's grief then have sympathy for them if you want to um, have an understanding which and help the person, which may very well mean doing absolutely nothing and not even mentioning how you feel to them and taking a step back and going, okay, this person's got some stuff to deal with. I've been there. I understand that. And you don't have to actually have been through something to have empathy, um, provided you've experienced enough of it around you um, to see and understand what it kind of means to be going through those scenarios or situations. So. You may be the mother of someone who's had anxiety. Um, you yourself may never have had anxiety, but therefore you can still have an empathy for that person or your child who's, who's going through the anxiety. Um, but having sympathy for them allows them to continue the process. Having an empathy means, okay, let's empower this person to do what they need to do, and uh, these are probably the best tools. So I do think that the empathy comes with a toolkit whereas sympathy just becomes enabling. I, I fully agree with you. And I wanted to share with you a little, a little fun fact about me that you may not know. I actually worked for the Australian government for six years, and I have been to Australia. I have been to 
I may be not pronunciating these right, but I'll do my best. I have been to Canberra, I have been to Sydney, I have been to Brisbane, and I've been along the East Coast when I was there in 1994. And I have to declare on this recorded live interview that I think Australians are the friendliest people in the world, and you have the best wine in the world. <laughs> I agree, I agree. <laughs> And and your money your money is close to Canadian and they say Canadians and Australians are very similar and I have to agree so I wanted to share that little fun fact with you. But I wanted to know what it's September now I can't believe it. Uh, 2017 has flown. What are some of your goals or dreams or aspirations for your business for yourself? for the rest of 2017 and moving into 2018. Okay, where do I start? So um, on, on personal level, um, my goals are to regain my health. Um, we, we moved away from Brisbane for about six months and um, I, I'm not entirely sure why, but I, I've just kind of, in that six months, I've just had a series of um, flus and colds and migraines and backaches and pains. So, so my personal goal is very much around and around health. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to brag here a little bit right now. I am so excited that one of my um, one, one of my ex uh, clients, shall we say, my past client, uh, attended one of her meetings last night. She's now a uh, a health and vitality coach, a nutrition coach, and a banting coach, and and so uh, I'm really keen to be jumping on board with with one of my clients. I just think that's the coolest ripple ever, <laughs> and um, so she's going to be working with me towards my health goals, and um, and then in terms of other health goals, uh, personal goals is uh, we're going to be relocating into the gorgeous Sunshine Coast area. So I'm not sure if you got to go there. Um, again, it's a gorgeous gorgeous area. Um, and then that will all happen, be happening by uh, by the end of this year. Um, in terms of my business goals, so I'm currently um, redesigning, in the process of designing a whole new suite of products that are very much designed around um, energy flow for CEO. So um, uh, as a, and I've kind of created my own um, coaching and energy systems because I'm, I'm a Reiki teacher as well as, um, the EFT and the NLP and all of that, the hypnosis, and I do a lot of mindfulness. Um, and I've been doing some training with a Tibetan monk here in Brisbane um, around getting, you know, some more of the um, Tibetan healing methodologies and utilizing my Tibetan healing bowls better and all of that. So that's a real, I guess that's kind of a personal goal as well, just to build my skills up. But on a business level. Um, I'm creating this merger of the two types of um, helpful self-help and um, and guided help strategies. And a lot of that will actually become quite automated and online. Not so much automated, but just online access to me so that I can reach a much broader um, spectrum of, of clientele from across the, across the globe. So going very international, um, and I've always had international clients, but always on a one-on-one -on -one basis and and what I've learned Deb is that when I'm out of the business the business stops and that's pretty much what um, 
I learned in the last six months. So hence my my redesigning of my, my business structure and everything. So there's a lot in the wind um, in regards to that and that'll all be rolled out before the end of this year. And um, so I'm looking forward to hosting um, next year by February um, my CEO retreats um, and where they can get the... Uh, you know the complete human experience, and um, and bring that back into their businesses because again, you know, in business is where those people are at the top of the game, and you know everything's a waterfall. Um, environment is everything, and the CEOs are at the top of designing and creating that environment for everyone who works underneath them, and then again that ripple flows. You get to the bottom of the waterfall, and that's where the ripples are because that's where your workers are, and that's where they go home to their families. And then goes to their children, and then those children go out into their schools and to their teachers, and and that flow-on effect is just incredibly powerful. So um, I am quite excited about my my new program there, which will be started as I said before the end of this year, but then 2015 it will be in full swing. Uh, the other thing that is happening in roughly two weeks will be the full book of um, self-loathing to self-loving. Um, so Balboa Press has picked that up. And uh, so that'll be out in well, off to the editors in two weeks. And um, so that'll be out in print probably within the next month as well. So that is super duper exciting. Um, and then in terms of the rest of the business, um, I've onboarded with an amazing, amazing mentor. Um, I don't think you're much of a coach unless you're actually prepared to be coached um, or mentored. <clears throat> and so I've actually gone and uh, onboarded with a gorgeous woman called Asha Mankowska, who happens to be in book four of the change. And um, so I've now, she's now my uh, my business mentor as well. And so there's some pretty exciting things happening there. And uh, uh, <clears throat> they may have to remain a little bit secret right now. So, uh, yeah, so watch this space for 2018 anyway. Well, I have met Asha, and she is a phenomenal coach. She is a phenomenal speaker, and I'm happy to hear that you have aligned with her and that she's going to mentor you because uh, she is just doing amazing things. So, again, another reason this community aligns together, and I love how many joint ventures and collaborations and people that have come together and co-authored books. I look at Rich Perry and Lawrence Pipkin out of book five with us, and they're just shining and, and growing and doing amazing things. And I think um, this has surpassed many things that Jim and Jim thought this community was going to do. And, and I, I feel like I'm in the middle of this hub as the concierge and, getting to meet everyone, and I have all the books now. I'm, I'm just waiting for book 14 to be printed. And I am continuing to reach out and meet and get co-authors together. We just had a group together that met in Michigan. A group of us from Canada met a group from the States. And uh, December 2nd in New York City, there's an, another big group of us getting together. So I'm thrilled to hear that you are also reaching out. And with technology now, it doesn't matter where you are. We, we can be so interconnected, just like you and I are on this, on this interview right now. It's amazing. Yeah, the technology has, has certainly closed the great divide, hasn't it? And, uh, you know, that the six degrees of separation is now down to about 1.5 degrees. 
and um, and it's quite amazing the number of people who I've kind of um, I've spoken to. And I, was, I actually uh, hosted a call one day and um, one of the ladies jumped on and, and did a message and said, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in one of the books. And then um, another lady jumped on and went, hey, I know you. <laughs> we're in the same book. And I didn't even realise we we're in the same book. So they kind of had looked at it and read it and everything, but they hadn't actually made that connection that they already knew each other. And I, I thought that was really cool. Um, I can't even remember their names right now. But, um, yeah, and, and it's just amazing that, People can be connected so effortlessly. Um, I mean, it's it's a day it's a day apart. It's morning for me. It's night for you. Um, and uh, some of the trainings and, and calls and things, I'm often up at about 4 a.m., um, which is around 1 to 2 p.m. I think over there uh, the day before. So, you know, it's an early start for me, but um, I, I kind of like that because it, you know, you, you get something so significant done first off in the morning, it, it sets you up for the rest of the day. Um, and the more often I can do that, uh, I find that the more empowered I, I get, and the more motivation I intrinsically build, and, and you know the flow just keeps going. So yeah, I, I gotta love the technology. <laughs> well, you you are preaching to the choir about morning routines because you <laughs> I know you're my Facebook friend, so I get up at five. And I just co-facilitated a leadership summit at the largest fitness expo in the world, and it's in Toronto. And I met 15 leaders from all over the, all over the globe. And here's what was their common theme for success. And it, they all said it at different intervals over the course of five days. And it was the morning routine. And I thought my morning routine was pretty stellar, but I've implemented some changes that I learned from these leaders. So let me share these with you because I think as we share what works for us, it just helps us further align with people in our tribe and, and where we started in this interview. So when we awake, we're yeah. coming out of a sleep state into an awake state. And I did meditate every day, but I now do it before I even get out of bed because I allow my brain to make that switch very simply. And then I do my gratitude, and then I get up, and then I go to the gym. And by the time that I'm ready to start my day, which is around 8.30, I am like on fire. Like my energy level is through the roof, my creativeness, my mental acuity, just there's no cobwebs. And all I did was a couple little shifts in the premise of what I was doing at different time intervals and for different times. And I'm so blown away. I've been doing this. This is week four. And I cannot believe the difference because to me, you know, I preach this every day. I, I Again, the word authentic, but it's so true to me. I share my fitness journey with others because I know there's many that I inspire and I don't need to know that I do. And I get the odd text or the odd message from someone in a different part of the world. And it just gives me that, that little feedback that keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, that little voice. Because there's days I don't want to get out of bed. I'm like every other human being. It's like, oh, I don't want to get up. 
But when I get up and do that routine that I just spoke of, Leonie, I it just sets the foundation for my day. And I don't have a bad day. I really don't. And on Wednesdays, I come home and I'm just, I'm excited because then I'm traveling, like tonight, I'm traveling to Australia for an hour to talk to you. And I just think every, every <laughs> interaction and every encounter with someone, we pick up nuggets all the time if we're willing to just look in the corners of each day to find them. And that's my attitude for everything and anything that I do. Yeah, and and that's beautiful, Deb. I mean, that it is amazing. Um, one one of the biggest shifts that I had to make in my entire lifestyle was was around um, my dedication to waking up of the morning and getting out of bed. And um, you know, I, most people never had a clue what was going. Well, no one had a clue what was going on in, inside my mind. And and the number of times people would would say to me, you know you know I just wish I had your confidence and you know you're just such an inspiration and I would be saying in my mind are you kidding me you don't want to get inside this head of mine it is a mess in there and uh, and there was not a lot of dopamine going on in there you know the feel the natural feel good drug and there was a high level of cortisol from stress um, and uh, and the impacts of that are just phenomenal and in this day and age I think you know the morning routine has been unfortunately really um dismissed as oh you know it's too much effort i'll do it later in the day that morning routine is everything and you've just described my morning routine as well deb which is really interesting so your birds of a feather i i guess they flock together and um and yeah definitely before before i move out of my bed um i have to meditate and do my attitude of gratitude check in and um you know, and then get up and then start to do healthy breakfast and exercise. And and anyone who kind of knew me in my younger years would go, is this even the same person? Are we for real here? <laughs> because it's so far from, from how I used to operate. I would sleep in. I would wake up as late as I could possibly wake up. I would, which would then set me up for hustle and bustle and rushing around and, and instant, instantly injecting copious amounts of cortisol into my body because into my brain because I was on stress level um, there was no time to sit relax there was no time to enjoy anything there's no time to have that attitude of gratitude for something which lowers your blood pressure it lowers your heart rate um, and, it, and it lowers your cortisol levels and it wasn't until I really started looking into it and um, and understood the the long-term damage that that does to the body um, when I really went, wow, it's no wonder I've been so low for so long. Um, and I thought, well, you know, the old famous saying, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. And um, and that was one of the big big things that I would wake up and it would be the first thing that would come into my head. And, um, and then I would sit and I would meditate and I would do something. You know, it was hard work. It's not, not easy to do that stuff. And, and it was hard work for me. So... Um, I really had to struggle through and there, it took me quite a while to break those old habits. But was it worth it? Absolutely. Um, number one, I'm living proof here that it works right now. Um, and it's one of the first things I teach every single client. I teach them the breathing techniques. I teach them all the different um, habits that they need 
need to break and, and the habits they need to instill, more importantly. So then there's no time for those other habits and that morning routine is crucial. And, um, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I can honestly say that even going back probably six years ago, I, if it was 10 o'clock in the morning, I'd still be happy to be laying in bed. Uh, and now I can't lay down. Every now and then I'll kind of lay in and, and it's like, no, I've got to get up. <laughs> just can't do this and it just kind of goes so much against my grain and and something else that I was listening to um, a little while ago on the internet really hammered home for me the importance of my morning routine and some people don't like to make the bed but it's a simple little task that can set you up for success the very first thing you do when you get out of bed should be make the bed before you go anywhere before you go to the toilet before you do anything at all get out of bed make the bed because that is the very first thing that you've accomplished in the morning. And if you're not a meditator and you haven't already meditated, well, then it's, it, that is the first thing. If you've already sat, woken up and sat in bed and meditated for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, um, well, then there's your first thing. You've already started off the day with accomplishment. You get your feet on the ground, you make that bed. There's your second thing ticked off your list for the day already. You're already successful in the day and accomplishing things. And it just get that momentum kick-started. Um, and, and, yeah, I'm a massive advocate for the morning routine and rituals. And uh, certainly it's a different way of life for me from how it used to be. Oh, absolutely. And and you're a testament to strategies and multiple modalities. And I, I just think it's wonderful. So I'm going to have some fun with you. We have about five minutes left. So I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you some questions. And the caveat is you are not allowed to think about it. You have to just tell me uh, your answer as I ask you. Are you in? Okay. All right. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) All right. Describe yourself in one word. Dynamic. What makes you laugh out loud? Um, <laughs> my husband. <laughs> what makes you excited? Ripple. What makes you motivated? Success. What makes you surprised? Um, wow, I'm trying to not think. What makes me surprised? People's people's ability to be resilient. Even yes, still. that's a good one. What makes what makes you sad? Suffering. What it's makes so you unnecessary. Fearful? Failure. Tell us what your favorite season is. Winter. I love the winter fashion. (laughs) Boots and scarves. I love it. What's your favorite go-to meal? (laughs) Fried rice. Homemade. And what's your favorite hobby or activity? Writing. What is your favorite memory? 
my mum, my dad and my sisters all travelled from Yapoon, which is in Queensland, um, central Queensland, and we travelled about 2,000 k's down to Sydney for a surprise for my grandmother, my dad's mum's 70th birthday. And the look on her face when she didn't know that we were coming uh, and saw us all there and we had to actually warn her that there was about 70 people in the backyard. <laughs> she was so surprised to see us. She, she nearly fainted. I think oh, that was about... that's lovely. <laughs> now, I have one more surprise for you. I, I wrote this little recipe six years ago, and I thought it was quite fitting to end our interview. And I wanted to preface it Reebok did a wonderful um, campaign last year, and it, and it was hashtag honor your days, and they had red numbers, 25,915. And that's the average days in the life of a human being, which works out to 871, which I think is pretty young, because I'm hoping to hit 100. So I wrote this little recipe back in 2011, and after I reread your chapter today, I thought I'm going to dig it out, and I'm going to dedicate it to you and end our interview with this. And it's called How to Live Happily, and this is to you, Leonie, my friend and fellow Book 5 buddy in Australia. Take two heaping cups of patience, one heart full of love, and two handfuls of generosity. Add a dash of laughter and a full cup of understanding and two cups of loyalty. Mix well and sprinkle generously with kindness. Spread this irresistible delicacy over a lifetime and serve everybody you meet because I think that is what you're doing in your coaching practice. So I have been honored to spend the last 50 minutes with you, my friend, and you just keep shining your light down under, but all over the world, and bringing your trueness and empathy and just trueness of who you are, and just a pleasure to be in your tribe. Thank you so much, Deb, and, uh, you know, you made me a little teary. That's twice you made me teary. Um, it doesn't happen very often. Uh that was that was just gorgeous, and I can't I can't thank you enough for um, inviting me to be on the show. I'm I'm just um, so grateful that I am part of your tribe and and the tribe of the Change Book, and and that together we all get to make these these ripples so much bigger than we all could just individually. Um, and uh, just just to remind you, Deb, I'm just a mirror. Whatever you see in me, it's already there in you, and and you are an astounding, astounding person. So, thank you so much for making all of this possible, and and really building up the um the audience for the Change Book um, series. Uh, I think it's you know the most valuable thing that we can do. So, and I've had a Absolutely. I've had a fantastic time today. Me too, and I will get back to Australia, and I hope you get to Canada, and I look forward to the day where we meet face-to-face, and uh, I just love hearing the Australian accent. It just it warms my heart more than you know, and uh, we will talk soon, and you take care. Thanks, Deb. You too. Bye. Bye.
Well, we traveled 10,000 miles tonight from Canada, where I am, to Brisbane, Australia, as I interviewed my fellow book buddy from Book 5, Leonie Newton. And her chapter is so real and inviting and raw and authentic. And she just exudes empathy and passion and resilience. And I love that she, you know, talked about going into her toolkit to find out what was going to work for her. And now she is able to combine all of those transformational tools. As a Reiki master, she does EFT, hypnosis, and again, a success coach. Very, very, very successful in Brisbane. So I want to thank you for joining us tonight. It is September 6, 2017. And we are at the end of summer, but I'm going to hold on for the last couple of weeks. So I will be back here next week, September the 13th, and I look forward to you joining us. So as always, this is Deb Pro for the Change Book Radio Show. We are now on Book 15. So if it's something that resonates within you, if you're a speaker or a coach or an author and you're looking to get your story out there, feel free to email me at deb at debcrow, pro has an e on the end, dot com. So be well. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you back here next week live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care.